Well, a couple of minutes after 10 o'clock here on 89.7 The Maverick. And on Tuesdays, we chat with Al Bat and bring him in right away. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a, a wonderful day. And I hope nobody has a lot of presents to take back. I hope they got everything they wanted. So. I I do as well, and uh, uh, we were we were chatting there that uh, you know it's still the Christmas season, the holiday season. It's not like uh, you know all of a sudden we can't say Merry Christmas or anything for uh, for another few more days here. It's sort of that limbo time frame, right? So it we'll, is, uh, and, a few uh, might I, slip through, right? <laughs> that's right. I'm a chronic bell ringer, so oh know, sure. I said, uh, I've said Merry Christmas 10,000 times, I think, <laughs> uh, probably more. Uh, just everybody, and uh, fortunate enough to uh, be ringing bells in some really busy stores. So uh, there's just a steady stream of folks go by, and I don't think I let any of them sneak by. <laughs> and if, uh, you know, it, we say Merry Christmas for many, there's so many meanings to Christmas, but uh, I just wishing them all well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we uh, we'll we'll start off this morning, if you don't mind. I, I got a sure. text uh, about ten minutes ago. Someone uh, wanting to wanting to uh, ask Al Bat a question. I'll I'll be completely honest, Al. That was when I remembered that I was talking with you this morning about ten I, minutes. Ago. I'm easily forgettable. That's <laughs> no, how I'm not, introduced not a, as not, not, not at all. Al Bat. <laughs> not yeah. at all. It was uh, it's a you know that uh, just a weird situation. I don't fill in for Karen all that often, and uh, being a Tuesday, I had I just forgot. But uh, sure. but thankfully we thanks uh, so much to uh, the texter who reminded me. So let's uh, let's get started with the question sure. uh, saying that uh, I have a friend in uh, Rusk County, Wisconsin, that's near Bruce, Wisconsin, uh, who has tried to attract birds with feeders without success. And she wondered if it might be due to a fairly large population of field eagles there. No, I'm sorry, bald eagles there. Um, And she is very uh, close to the Chippewa River, just any chance that you might have any strategies, sure. given and those I circumstances. Think the bald eagles, uh, Dwayne, would be much of a problem okay. there because they're they're not. Uh, you know, there's you got the little chickadee there, and you got this giant bald eagle. Uh, there's no way that bald eagle's going to be able to catch that little chickadee. And even if he did, that would be like us running down a French fry. It <laughs> just wouldn't be much uh, nutrition value there. A tiny little bird, so. Bald eagle has to, um, it's energy. It has to uh, really be cautious in how it expends its energy in the cold weather. It just can't be running willy-nilly. So they're more likely to be out uh, if they can find fish somewhere or eating uh, a deer that's been road killed. Uh, bald eagles love venison, so they will feed on that. So that's a much better uh, use of their time, so to speak. So the feeders, uh, golly, they might, if they've tried it quite a while, they might uh, replace it. And, and I'm going to say a lot of things that I'm sure they've already done. But they might try putting new seed in there. If that seed smells 
musty if it's damp it's not going to be good so then you if you got some seed in there that's gone bad you might want to clean the feeders uh, water maybe just a little uh, real weak bleach uh, mixture in there and clean them up a little bit and then put them back out with new seed if that still doesn't do it you might want to move the feeders a little bit i always tell everybody but putting up a large blinking pink neon arrow, but sometimes that arrow is just moving it a little bit. And again, we want feeders where we can see them. Uh, we like putting them by windows, and that's where they should be, because we want to see them. That's part of having the feeders up. As far as the seed that goes in there, the best all-around seed for the birds we want to see is black oil sunflower seed. So that's the best thing to feed. But you could sure try other things. Maybe suet, put some suet out, have water, uh, other things. You could put Niger seed, which we used to call thistle seed, till the uh, retailers or the folks selling this product said you know selling thistle seed in places like wisconsin and minnesota it's just not a good idea thistles have a bad connotations for folks that have any kind of ag in their background so it's called niger seed and that's great for goldfinches which will come in uh, huge flocks into your feeders and maybe bring along some pine siskins but again the best is this black oil sunflower seed and uh, let me know more on this. I, uh, gosh, I'm a, a husband, a father, a grandfather. If I have anything, it's advice because that's what that's what we're uh, that's our specialty. When we reach a certain age, it's not always good advice, but we're just loaded with it. So I'd love to hear. It's along the Chippewa there. There should be just birds galore. I will add one other thing this year. The feeders have not been as busy as they are most Decembers. And why is that? Because of this brown Christmas thing we got going on, that they just have food. There's food out there. They can get to it. My The grass in my lawn is greener than it was all summer. It was brown all summer. Now it's green. I've got a turkey in my yard. And what's he eating? Grass. He's just walking around, or she's walking around eating grass. So I I hope some of that is helpful. Uh, you know, you can try if you have a flat, uh, something along the line of a stump, just put a little seed on top of that again as an advertisement to bring some in. And I think once birds come in, then other birds will say, hey, what's that guy got over there? And you'll have a lot of birds. But I'd love to hear more about it and how it goes. And, and thanks for texting Dwayne. Uh, thank you to everybody at the St. John's campus uh, for allowing me to uh, talk to them and for uh, all the various places that allowed me to ring the bell for the Salvation Army. I just find great joy in that. This, uh, I'm looking at a wild turkey out in my yard right now. Wild turkey, she's chasing a... Uh, a squirrel, a fox squirrel. She does not like fox squirrels. When she sees one, she puffs up her tail almost like a uh, a tom or a gobbler, only she doesn't have quite as 
big a tail as they do. But she can, and then she stretches her neck out, like saying, you know, don't come any closer to me. I'm just not in the mood today. They can run at speeds up to 25 miles per hour, a wild turkey, and they can fly up to 55 mile per, miles per hour. And this wild turkey hen in our yard chases the rooster pheasants in the yard. She doesn't like those guys, so she chases them around, and of course they panic. And she flies high into the trees to harass crows. And does it scare the crows? I think the crows relish the company. They just caw, and it's like they're all having this wonderful uh, battle. Nobody gets hurt, but she's just determined to drive those crows out. And then once she's completed those tasks, it's as if somebody flipped a switch, and the turkey gets the zoomies. Uh, anybody with a pet will probably recognize that. It's so what's called frenetic random activity period, FRAP, or frenetic activity period without the random part. So it could be either FRAPs or FAPs. And it's this delightful and common behavior exhibited by dogs and cats when they sprint around the yard or house at full speed. And this turkey does that. I think she kicks it down right up to 25 miles an hour, goes around the house, and just uh, who knows why. Maybe it's the joy of being alive. I saw a red-tailed hawk hunting from uh, perch, and I also saw one hunting from the air. And as they circle and soar, they can spot a mouse from 100 feet high. 100 feet up in the air, they can see a mouse. Heard from Dean Young, who listens in Wisconsin. Uh, he said, the vultures eat all my sunflower seeds in a day. Well, they aren't really vultures, but eat like them. So Dean has a lot of, uh, I don't know how, I don't think Dean lives close to Bruce, Wisconsin, so he wouldn't have everybody's birds there. Uh, Dale Waltz of Rochester said he watched a young bald eagle feeding on a deer at Christmas. So we all celebrate Christmas in different ways, but food seems to be an important thing that kind of is common through all our experiences. Uh, Tim Scott sent me an article from Field and Stream about how long deer live. And the average age that a wild deer will attain is three to six years. The average age of captive deer is seven to ten years. The oldest wild white-tailed doe was 22 years old, and the oldest white-tailed buck was 17 years old, and the oldest captive white-tail was 24 years old, so they can be around a while. Uh, Tom Jessen, our good friend TJ of St. Peter, said on Christmas Day, it was 52 degrees with an inch of rain, and there were two large night crawlers were observed crawling across the street here in St. Peter. Happy El Nino. Uh, Bob Williams saw a belted kingfisher in Lesseur County, and uh, I know a lot of folks saying, well, I see kingfishers. Well, this time of year, not so much. We still see them sometimes, but so it's uh, it's classified. Uh, oh, there's different classifications. When you say rare, we think of a bird that uh, you've never seen before, but a belted kingfisher is rarely seen in this time of year in Lesseur County. There was a uh, nice article in, I think, Rob Murray in the Free Press on December, oh boy, 18th maybe, 
and it was about the Christmas bird count and Mankato's annual Christmas bird count. And of course, it was aided by mild temperatures and open waters. Anytime you get open water, you get more waterfowl and the number goes up. So they tallied 54 species, and how I think it was on December 16th was the date. But the 54 species of birds was the most counted in the 46-year history of the Mankato area bird count. And it was headed by Bethany Lutheran College biology professor Chad Hines, and there were 19 volunteers who fanned out across a 15-mile-wide circular zone. And the zone, the center of which is in Mankato's downtown, has been the same one used since the bird count's inception. The most in abundant bird species there was one that was by far and away more than the other and that was the Canada goose and counters spied more than 2,500 of them 2,000 of which were north of town toward Kasota and the counters also tallied nearly 1,500 mallards the count last year was 30 if you remember, it was a it was more wintry last year. I think, boy, it got like 14 below one day and a lot of snow. So this year, 54. Last year, 30. But the year before that, it was 52, and the year before that, 46. So it's kind of in that ballpark, but it still set a record. So it was really a neat thing. Uh, a listener said, uh, talking about bird feeders. How does a blue jay swallow so many sunflower seeds on a visit to a feeder? And I bet a lot of you have watched them come into the feeder, and they just they just keep swallowing more and more. It's like that uncle of ours who goes to a lutefisk feed. You just say, how can he keep eating that lutefisk like that? Well, a blue jay has something that the uncle doesn't. They have a throat sack called a gular pouch, and they can fill that up, and then they fly off somewhere, they cough up the seeds, and then they'll either eat it or they'll cache it somewhere. So blue jays are great at caching seeds. They cache a lot of acorns. A listener, Dwayne, asks, why are snowy owls so often seen at airports? Yeah, every year, if you listen or watch the news or read the news, you'll find some reference to a snowy owl at MSP or snowy owls at MSP. And they um, do capture some of them and haul them somewhere. Uh, snowy owls, you think it, you're a snowy owl, so you're living in the Arctic tundra. So there's trees are not there, it's just open, flat area. So probably when you're coming here, you're looking for an open, flat area, which makes it easier to spot their prey. So the airport, it's a different kind of tundra. Boy, I'll agree. People, I, I've kind of wondered about that. If they're looking for tundra, it's a busy, noisy tundra with bright lights, which makes it not a tundra. But it must still be tundra to the owls because it's that flat, open area. 
I don't know why else they'd come there. Uh, you know, we uh, a lot of us don't want to go to the airport that much. You know, you just you, we love going places, but the whole airport thing. But snowy owls are there, and uh, I haven't heard of a whole lot down here. Somebody got a hold of me, and there was one they were seeing somewhere in Iowa. I can't recall where it was. Uh, Dwayne Miller, another Dwayne of Heartland. He was out at midnight a while back hoping to see the northern lights when they came out. And what he saw instead were birds on the highway. And he said, "What are they, why are they on the highway at night like that? Well, the birds might have been looking for the northern light, Dwayne. You know, they, they like northern lights too or, or not. They might not have been looking for them. Uh, pavement absorbs heat and holds it, so sometimes it causes birds to land on roads when the temperature drops. On a chilly day, I watched a manhole cover. I don't usually watch manhole covers, but this one was being visited by house sparrows, who I assume found warmth there. So there was a pile of them on top of this manhole cover. Other temptations are found on roads. There's food and there's grit. And grit is uh, little bits of sand and things that the squirrels use to grind up their food just till they get their teeth. Yeah, they don't really get teeth. but uh, And the potholes, cracks, and rumble strips that hold water. I'm amazed, even on a dewy morning, how much these rumble strips hold water. There's an amazing amount of water in them. Uh, pheasants, when I do uh, counts, bird counts, pheasants will stand on roads when the weather's been a little wet or a dewy morning to keep out of the waterlogged grass. They just don't like to be a soggy bird. Many birds will feed at roadsides on spilled grain and windblown seeds that are caught in the vegetation on the edge of the road. But these things, they, and it's true, Dwayne Miller, they happen during the light of day. Why would a bird be there at night? Well, nocturnal owls will hunt the roads at night because they have a clear shot at a prey there. If you got a little field mouse, a vole running across the road, boy, that owl can see him, and he doesn't have to worry about flying into anything other than a Buick to get that rodent. Uh, members of the nightjar family, some areas have more nightjars than others, but they will fly up from the road to capture flying insects. And the open road gives them good looks at both prey and predators. I've encountered morning doves, like at four in the morning, uh, headed off somewhere, probably the airport, to be up there with the snowy owls. I've encountered morning doves and horn larks on roads before daybreak. And uh, why the doves are there so late or so early, I don't know. Maybe they forgot to go to bed. I, I suspect like the horn larks are ground roosting birds. So they might just say this is where we're going to roost for a while. And I would guess maybe snow buntings and Lapland longspurs, when they're here, they could be found also in the dark. And something could have rousted those birds from its preferred parking place out in a plowed field, causing it to land on a nearby road. 
Oh, Dwayne Miller, these are just more things to wonder about, but thanks for asking. Uh, maybe one of those are right, and maybe none of them are the right answer. Uh, a uh, listener says, are mosquitoes pollinators? Yeah, we don't, you know, we don't want to find anything good about mosquitoes, do we? Because we don't like mosquitoes, and we don't want to know that they actually have a good side. But just like bees or butterflies, mosquitoes transfer pollen from flower to flower as insects feed on nectar. They aren't as uh, great uh, pollinators as bees or butterflies or some other insects, but they do a, they do a little bit because we all know that a female mosquito seeks a blood meal for protein when she's going to lay eggs and that the males feed only on flower nectar and never never bite. So the males are probably doing the... And one of those rare things uh, that go on as far as we consider work, males are doing more than the females there. So I think uh, we should like, uh, as a man, maybe we should like mosquitoes just because they're showing us the, the way. How far should... Uh, Oh, a, a listener's got a bluebird box. Got two bluebird box for Christmases, and was pretty excited about them. And said, "How far apart should bluebird not nest boxes be?" Well, there's a thing called NABs. It's the North American Bluebird Society, and they recommend 125 to 150 yards apart. Yeah, that's not feet, 125 to 150 yards apart, with the boxes mounted in pairs. So two two boxes and then 150 yards away, two more boxes. Um, Paired boxes should be placed maybe 5 to 15 feet apart. And why do you put up two? Well, it provides nesting sites for uh, maybe uh, tree swallows. So it'll allow nesting for both species and limit competition between them. So, boy, good luck. That's a that's a neat Christmas gift to get. And, uh, you know, we talk about the bluebird of happiness. We're having a bluebird day, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-ay. Uh, the bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover. And there are so many songs with bluebirds, so they're very important to us. So I hope you have good luck. And uh, don't give up. And the secret is to check those boxes regularly. And I know you will. Why are, oh, do pigeons recognize themselves in the mirror? Dwayne Miller asked that question about pigeons on the road. And I see pigeons on the road early in the morning. I figure they're just, uh, they're farm critters very often. They're just early risers maybe. But do pigeons recognize themselves in a mirror? There's been studies going on forever because they say so many birds will fly into a window because they see their image in there. We think of cardinals are great at that, fighting with themselves. And let's face it, every human has fought with himself too. So we we all shadow box with ourselves. That's just part of life. But the cardinal sees his image in there and he... He's smart in so many ways, but one way he's not real sharp is that he thinks that image is a another male cardinal, or in some cases, female. So the male will fight with the male and the female with the female, but the male cardinal will go at this. He'll fight with that mirror. He'll fight with it. But there are some birds that 
they recognize, they have an awareness that that's their reflection. There's a, there's a penguin, I forget which species, there's magpies, uh, there's a crow in India, and pigeons. People are saying that, but recent research has found that pigeons don't really pass this classic test in which animals have a spontaneous reaction to touch a mark on their body visible only in a mirror, but they may have been conditioned to do so. So for years we thought pigeons were one of those. It turns out, you know, they might not be now. So, But I think some of the smarter ones, you would certainly think uh, some of the corvids, the crows, and the ravens and things, but maybe not either. It's just a, it's a tough thing to recognize yourself in a mirror. I I find that a problem every morning. I get up and look in the mirror and I say, Dad, what are you doing there? Uh, when do red foxes have pups? I got a text from a listener. Uh, red foxes, I just saw a couple here the other day, uh, two different places. Uh, red foxes mate in February. And then it's all oh, 52 days or something like that. They give birth to 5 to 10 pups or kits, so they can have really large litter. And they nurse them for 10 weeks or so, and then they're independent at 7 months of age. And there are few things, I know I say this about a lot of animals and birds, but there are few things cuter than a red fox kit. They are just uh, the most lovely of animals, and uh, I like I like seeing them out there. A friend had them growing, uh, raising a litter in a pile of wood and rock. So I go over there and sit at a respectable dis, a respectful distance and took some pictures of them and things and it was really a neat experience just seeing those little guys and they would come out and play but when there was food available then there wasn't a whole lot of play and they were pretty serious then and um, grab one and run and the rest would run after them and we tried to get a count on them and it was impossible they were just uh, they were they were just everywhere the little foxes so there was a lot of them there i I do hope everyone had a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, and thanks for uh, remembering uh, all those wonderful things in nature that uh, make our lives a little bit better when we look out. I need to get out some uh, suet. Uh, We had some suet from a... uh, uh, we used to call them meat lockers. I know they have many other names now. So we got some fresh suet that we're going to put out there, and uh, the birds devour it, and especially the birds at uh, woodpeckers, starlings. Whether you like starlings or not, they like suet. But a lot of our birds that are uh, insect eaters, uh, suet is uh, it's a great thing to put out in the winter time. I. Uh, I want to thank everybody for sitting on the front porch with Dwayne and I. Uh, you know, a brown Christmas. I've heard so much about a brown Christmas. It, it's nothing out of the ordinary here, but it seems like it is. I can't remember brown Christmas. I can remember uh, really nasty Christmases where the weather, not the Christmas itself wasn't nasty, but the weather was nasty. We don't seem to remember the good weather quite like that. Uh, 
And, and besides, there are many brown UPS trucks driven by people wearing brown <laughs> uniforms who deliver brown cardboard boxes every year. That's a brown Christmas. A Christmas without snow certainly shortens winter, but we must remember the three most important words about weather. You never know. I'm just thankful I live in a place with a, a roof and walls. I wonder if Mother Goose, let's think about that. Mother Goose, she wrote all kinds of stuff. She probably wrote it with a quill pen, being a goose. But she wrote, there was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread and whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. Oh, boy, uh, Mother Goose was pretty harsh. And that woman, well, Ma Goose wrote about it, but that woman who lived in a shoe was really harsh. But if Ma Goose had lived in that shoe, the goslings would still smell like dirty socks. So <laughs> be thankful where we are, Dwayne. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for KMSU. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, do something wild today, get out there and look at a bird. And remember, Heartland is while we're driving past. Very good. Thank you, Al. Thanks, Dwayne. Have Merry a fan- Christmas, Yes, everyone. Merry Christmas and, uh, and a Happy New Year. Same here. All right. Bye-bye. That is Al Bat with us, Birding with Bat, Tuesdays right around 10 o'clock or so here on 89.7 The Maverick.